The Steelers signing Mason Rudolph means Mitch Trubisky's days could be numbered, and there are 8 million reasons why. Welcome to the Steelers update from Penn Live, where we keep track of all things Steelers, so you don't have to. This is John Lucy reporting. The Steelers aren't signing Mason Rudolph because they love the off-benched backup QB. Rather, he's a familiar face, and they're comfortable with who he is and who he isn't. Namely, He's someone who knows the Steelers' offense and personnel. So after receiving no love on the free agency market, Rudolph is back in the black and gold. Right now, he's penciled in as the number three quarterback behind starter Kenny Pickett and his backup, Mitch Trubisky. But if one does the math, the Steelers' number two QB just might be too expensive especially when the team is looking to sign star linebacker Alex Highsmith to a new big deal before the season. Thus, Mason's return just may make Trubisky expendable. There are 8 million reasons for this. That's how much the Steelers would save on their 2023 salary cap by axing Trubisky's $10.6 million in wages for the coming season. Plus, Trubisky is a free agent after this year, so he'll be gone anyway soon enough. This all assumes the Steelers would be comfortable enough with Rudolph being a Kenny Pickett concussion away from starting. It's said Rudolph has come a long way from the days in 2019 when he was benched in favor of an undrafted Duck Hodges and bashed in the head with his own helmet by Browns linebacker Miles Garrett. Word out of Steelers' training camp in 2022 was that Rudolph was the best of the three at running the offensive coordinator Matt Canada's system. And when Rudolph was drafted in the third round out of Oklahoma State back in 2018, then Steelers GM Kevin Colbert crowed that the team had a first-round grade on the Cowboys' QB. Of course, Colbert had to eat a lot of crow ever since, at least when that comes to this particular player prognostication. So take all this with a grain of salt. The NFL reality is Rudolph has tossed just 121 passes in games that counted since the disastrous Duck Hodges season and his final benching that year versus the Bengals in 2019. His last start resulted into a painful 16-16 tie against then the lowly Detroit Lions at home, and that game was a study in offensive futility. The Steelers may be tempted to save that $8 million on Trubisky and go with Mason backing up Pickett and the undrafted free agent Tanner Morgan as the number three arm on the roster. Or the country music song that has been Rudolph's rocky career in Pittsburgh could convince the team to count that $8 million Trubisky will tie up as well-spent insurance money. Certainly, the last thing most Steelers fans want to see is the sight of Rudolph's number two jersey behind center. 
at the very least, the mournful country music tune that is Rudolph's Steelers career will get another spin in Pittsburgh. It won't be a top 10 hit, but in the name of Dr. Hodges, let's hope the verse about Rudolph stalking the sidelines with a clipboard in his clutches is the verse that best describes his surprise return to the Steelers. We have much more on the novel-like tale of Rudolph's time with the Steelers, plus the blockbuster podcast pairing of Big Ben Roethlisberger and Bill Cower. It's all in the latest edition of your Steelers Update Podcast. Hey, and be sure to check out my full print column first thing Thursday on Penn Live. As always, it will be packed with plenty of memes bringing the latest greatest Steelers debate to life and to laughs. Right now, let's get right to it. Here is Steelers scribe and radio personality Ron Cook on the country music song that has been Mason Rudolph's Steelers career. He writes this for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette on this most unusual Steelers QB and his most up-and-down career in the black and gold. Quote, Rudolph is reportedly coming back for a sixth season with the Steelers and will back up Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. The news had the city buzzing on Monday and Tuesday. Only in Pittsburgh does the third-string quarterback get that kind of attention. Clearly, that had a lot to do with Rudolph's history. It didn't seem possible he would return after last season. He was well compensated with a $5.08 million salary, but didn't play in the one game in which he dressed. He appeared determined to leave as a free agent. Then reality hit. No one wanted Rudolph as a backup, so he swallowed his pride and returned to the Steelers. It made sense for him and the team, which likes having a little insurance in its quarterback room. Remember how third stringer Duck Hodges started six games in 2019? Well, the Steelers know Rudolph. He knows the players. He knows Matt Canada. He knows the system. A third string job beats no job, right? Well, it's been an odyssey with Rudolph and the Steelers. Start with the day Rudolph was taken by the Steelers in the third round of the 2018 draft. Kevin Colbert said the team had a first-round grade on him. Roethlisberger, Big Ben, wasn't impressed. Move on to the 2019 season when Rudolph took over for the injured Roethlisberger. He started three games himself, then got injured. Tomlin went back to Rudolph, who led to wins against Miami, Indy, and Carolina. Things were great for Rudolph until a Thursday night game in Cleveland on November 14th, the Miles Garrett game. It was bad enough Rudolph threw four interceptions in a 20-7 loss. Garrett ripped off Rudolph's helmet late in the game, then clubbed him over the head with it. After the game, Garrett accused Rudolph of using a racial slur. It didn't matter that Tomlin defended Rudolph and said the slur did not happen. The damage to Rudolph was done. Then he did start a game against Cincinnati that season, but it didn't go well for Rudolph. 
He was benched in the third quarter for that undrafted backup, Duck. And Duck led a comeback win against the Bengals. Hodges would start the next four games for the Steelers. If being benched for Duck Hodges didn't tell you everything about what the Steelers really thought about Rudolph, what happened before last season did. Despite Tomlin and Colbert saying they were comfortable with Rudolph, the team signed Mitch Trubisky as a free agent and took Pickett in the first round of the 2022 draft. Rudolph might not have liked suddenly being the team's third stringer and a forgotten man, but he couldn't possibly have been surprised. Now, the Rudolph epic with the Steelers continues, unquote. Well, that's Ron Cook with a poetic telling of the Pittsburgh career of one Mason Rudolph. And now we will see what the next chapter brings for this season. Could it be Rudolph being elevated to Kenny Pickett's backup role to save that $8 million on Trubisky? We shall see. Now, here's another one for all you Steelers fans. There was a legendary pairing on Big Ben's podcast. You had Coach Bill Cower taking the seat opposite Big Ben during his recent podcast. And if you did not see this episode, you missed some gems. Here's a recap of the podcast highlights, the magic, the revelations, as compiled by Ron Cook, who taught Big Ben a thing or two about interviewing people when Ben was a regular on Ron Cook's radio show. Cook writes this for the Post-Gazette on this powerhouse podcast pairing. On taking over for Steelers legend Chuck Noll in 1992, Cower said, quote, I'm going back home. I'm 34 years old. I tell people my first goal was not to get fired the first three years. I wanted to go back to my 20th high school class reunion as the head coach of my hometown NFL team, unquote. On how Cower approached coaching a young Big Ben and the rest of his up-and-coming team in that pivotal year when they went with the rookie, Ben, as their QB. Quote, if you cross the line, my job is to pull you back. It's a lesson learned. I tried to take that approach with the whole football team. I wanted a bunch of very confident, cocky players coming on the football field. Be a little edgy. Don't be afraid to take some risks. Don't be afraid to go out there and try to do something that no one else has done. But if you get disrespectful, get selfish, I'm going to pull you back and make sure we're in this together. Those are the messages you give your kids even going through life, unquote. A life lesson from Coach Cower. Then life dealt the big man Cower a big blow. He walked away from the Steelers after the 2006 season. At the time, his wife Kay was in the initial stages of her battle with skin cancer, and she and the three daughters had moved to North Carolina to be close to her family. It left Cower by himself in Pittsburgh. He says this, quote, We had talked about how the championship year was going to be my last year. But my agent talked me into coming back and trying to win it a second time. 
I hear people say I checked out, but I had nothing else to do in Pittsburgh but coach. I'd go home on Friday nights and have pizza with my mom and dad. I was alone in my house. My wife told me I could do what I wanted to do in 2007. I can't coach by myself. My family was everything to me. So I stepped down and my wife passed away three years later at age 54. I was there with her every step of the way, unquote. On summing up his 15 years leading the black and gold, Power said, quote, when you look at the quarterbacks we won with, Ben was the best one I had, and I only had him for three years. Two of those years, we went to the AFC championship game and won the championship in the other one. I said, if Ben doesn't get into an accident, I'm not so sure we don't go back to back. We won more games than anybody in the league in those 15 years I was in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we lost a bunch of championship games. I get that. But if I had stayed here, it would probably have been a no-brainer. I thought I probably walked away from a Hall of Fame career because I knew this was a team that could have won again as you did three years later. It was a special team, unquote. It was a special team and a special coach and a special time in Pittsburgh. I remember it fondly. It's really when I became of age as a Steeler fan, I'd gone to games as kids, but that was your your parents' era of the team, you know, the, the Chuck Knoll, the 70s. Uh, then, then there was the swoon in the 80s, but I got my season tickets in my own name in 1989, and I was there for the transition from the emperor, Chuck Knoll, to Bill Cower, this aggressive, you know, full of just Pittsburgh energy and passion. And seeing him on the sidelines, seeing him work with his players, Greg Lloyd, seeing his, his toughness, his Pittsburgh, he personified Pittsburgh, and it was something special. That Three Rivers Stadium was like a cauldron, a blast furnace, and it was, it was filled with energy, and it was just unbelievable. And, and Cower was at the center of it, uh, this Steelers resurgence, this Steelers renaissance. It was unbelievable to watch in real time, I've never seen a coach like Bill Cower and do what he did when he came in in 1992. Unbelievable. I, my fondest memories as a Steelers fan and being in the stand, being part of that, feeling it viscerally in your, in your bloodstream, in your muscles. Oh, unbelievable. Well, now that we've looked back, let's look ahead to that just-released Steelers schedule and it, what it has in store for your 2023 Steelers. Here's Mark Caboli writing for The Athletic and giving us the lowdown on the good, the bad, and the ugly with regard to the Steelers' 17-game slate. Caboli writes, quote, The Steelers will open the 2023 season at home, finally, but will have to take their New Year's Eve party on the road to the Pacific Northwest. Throw in a so-so primetime schedule. Two of the four games are on Thursday night football. Hold your nose. And arguably the toughest three-game closing stretch in the league. And the Steelers' slate of games, just like the offense and front office, will have somewhat of a new look this year. 
as we all know, the Steelers will open at AccraSure Stadium against the NFC runner-up San Francisco 49ers on September 10th. It will be Pittsburgh's first home season opener since the 2014 season when they hosted the Browns. The eight-year span between the home openers was the fifth longest for a team since the 1970 merger. It was long overdue. Also a twist, the Steelers have been scheduled to play seven times on either Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, or New Year's Day since 2013. Now they don't officially play on a holiday at all this year, but they will be in Seattle on New Year's Eve, and they also play at Cincinnati the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and they will host the Bengals just two days before Christmas this year. So that's Caboli setting the stage for the schedule. Now he sort of breaks it down, his schedule highlight. And first up, what is Mark Caboli's must-see matchup? Quote, put it succinctly, it's the Steelers and the Ravens in the season finale. If you don't think this game is going to mean something to the Steelers, the Ravens, or both, then you haven't followed the rivalry that closely over the past quarter century. This will be the third time in five years that the Steelers and the Ravens play against each other in the season finale. It is not out of the realm of possibility that whoever wins this game makes the playoffs and whoever loses it is out, unquote. Now, what about that ugly stretch that Caboli uh, hinted at close this season? Well, he, he gives us some more detail on this, writing, quote, This will be their toughest closing stretch since the 2008 season. They'll face the Bengals and then travel to Seattle, where they have won only once in all time. And that will be followed by the finale in Baltimore. And it could prove the difference between a playoff team or not. That's because this AFC this year is going to be deep. Deep and talented and full of quarterback. What about Caboli's trap game? Well, he writes this, quote, I can point to the Packers and the Cardinals and suggest that a couple of games got a little more manageable for the Steelers, but not so with the Jacksonville Jaguars whom they will face at home in Pittsburgh in late October. With Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence leading the way, the Jaguars were a legit playoff team a year ago, with many indications they will be even better this year. The Jags have won three of their last eight meetings with the Steelers and have been underdogs in all but one. It is a much better Jaguars team now than the last time they played, which was in November 2022, unquote. So where does this leave the Steelers? Caboli is going to give us his early season number for the wins and losses for the Steelers based on this just-released schedule. And this prediction, fans aren't going to like it. He gives us a little bit of a warm-up as he lets us down. Caboli kind of soothes us a little bit, giving us a little bit of rationale for before he reveals the number of wins and losses for your Steelers. So he 
kind of softens the blow here. Let's let's see what he writes. Quote, the Steelers could be a better team than they were last year and not have a better record. Well, that doesn't sound good. I want the good record. That's what I'm expecting, Kaboli writes. Pickett and the offense will be much better, and the defense should be as dominant as ever. But dealing with expectations is a different level, and that's the toughest thing that they'll face this year. Unquote. With that, Kaboli pegs Pittsburgh to finish at eight wins and nine losses, thus ending up under 500 for the first time in the Mike Tomlin era. Say what, Kaboli? Well, gives us his answer. Quote, Steelers fans would view an eight and nine record as a step back, especially after an impressive offseason. And wouldn't it be ironic that the year the Steelers improved their team on paper would be the year they finished below 500? They haven't done that since 2003, unquote. Yeah, ironic, but also kind of deflating, sad, a downer. I mean, Kaboli's a great scribe, great Steelers coverage. Let's just hope he's wrong on this eight and nine season projection making. I mean, come on. Uh, but we finish up with Kaboli as he lays out the AFC North, and he sees the Steelers' division falling as follows. Number one, Cincinnati, of course, at 12-5. and five. Number two, the Ravens at 9-8. and eight. Number three, there's your Steelers at 8-9. and nine. And number four, there's the Browns in the cellar at 6-11. and 11. So there you have it. I mean, that's one man's prediction, one man's pr- prognostication. All that's left is all the off-season mini camps and OTAs, training camp at Latrobe, the preseason, and of course, the regular season where they actually play the games and the wins and losses are decided on the football field, not with somebody's pen and paper. So let's see if the Steelers can surprise Mark Caboli and the rest of the NFL. And of course, we're going to be covering all that terrain as the Steelers move toward training camp and toward the preseason and of course, toward the regular season, all right here on your Steelers update podcast from PennLive. And of course, log on to PennLive.com for your real-time Steelers news.